Ladies and gentlemen, this is Book Music, and I am Tosh. And I'm Kim Lee. And what we do on our show is we focus a particular book on music. It could be a book written by a musician, a musician's memoir. It could be about music history. Anything to do with music, and it's in the book we do. Not saying we do every book on music, but we choose the most interesting book at the time for us to discuss. And today we have a very special book, don't we, Kimberly? Yes, this is really one of the best ones we've done. This is Wagnerism, Art and Politics in the Shadow of Music by Alex Ross, who is the author of The Rest is Noise, another great music book. And um, I don't know. I, are you a friend? Are you a fan of Richard Wagner's? Not, not at all, really. I mean, you know, there's pieces here and there that I like, and of course, I, you know, uh, I think they work very well in as film music at, at certain times. But uh, no, Wagner's not somebody I, I put on the stereo very regularly. I do not own any. Okay, Wagner. what I what, what I asked you that question, you misunderstood my question. Ah. I said, are you a fan of Richard Wagner? Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> Richard Wagner is a musician down the block. As, as a and, person. <laughs> yeah, I hear him you know, when the window's open, you know, I can hear his music. Oh, okay. We're, we're here to talk about Ricard Wagner. <laughs> is that how you say his first name in German? Is it Ricard? It's funny. I, uh-huh. I checked with my Swiss friend how to say a bunch of the words, and I didn't ask her how to say his name. Yeah. Um, I mean, I always say Wagner, but yeah. uh, I always say Richard. I guess I Richard. hardly ever say it. For you all, yeah, he's a, he's a one word, you know, share a Madonna. You don't need to say anything else. Yes, you say Wagner, everybody knows who you're talking about. Like, is Richard like a German name? I don't think so. I don't know. I don't so that's know. why I thought it's Ricard. Yeah, perhaps. Ricard, perhaps. Ma- you know, I, I did the. Yeah, I, I think C H does tend to be a K sound in German, but I don't know. Like Friedrich. I googled his name. You know the, how to pronounce his name. Uh-huh. A couple of people said Richard Wagner. Uh-huh. Well, that would be an Wagner. Of, yeah. And I found one that said Ricard Wagner. Ah, okay. So yeah, I, that, I, that makes sense. That makes yeah. sense. So personally, I'm going to go with Ricard Wagner. I'm just going to stick with Wagner. Okay. <laughs> Keep it simple. <laughs> what do you think of Nietzsche? Ah, okay. Well, see that. That's another interesting person. And he does get into uh, their relationship a lot in the book, um, which I thought was really interesting because um, I guess first we should kind of say a little bit what this book isn't so that people don't have any misconceptions. Yeah. It's, it's not a biography on Wagner. No, not a biography on Wagner. And it doesn't really um, get into his music, actually, specifically. It's not no, it so much not. about his music. Nope. And it's not about his influence on other musicians. Mm-hmm. Um, he's very specific in the preface that, uh, in his introduction, that this is a book on um, the influence on non-musicians, um, other artists, politicians, mm-hmm. writers, poets. So I think it's important to understand as, that. As the title says, art and a politics in the shadow of music. Yes, I know. I, I think it's a great title. And uh, Wagnerism, not Wagner. It's right. Wagnerism. Exactly. Exactly. And this, 
is pretty much a hardcore Wagnerism book. Yes. You're not going to find another Wagnerism book as, as hardcore as this one. <laughs> I don't think so. I don't think so. He really, it's a really in-depth examination. Um, it's very scholarly, but very enjoyable at the same time. Yes. Um, you know, he's clearly insanely smart guy. <laughs> I mean, like intimidatingly so. Yeah. And, but at the same time, it's very accessible. Ross was a, or is, uh, a writer for The New Yorker. Mm-hmm. So his writing is, he's a very, he's a very good writer, but he's a very accessible writer. It's not mm-hmm. like um, music jargon. It's, you know, anybody could read this book. Yes. And get it. So it's nothing, it's not academic. It's not um, a hard to read book. It's not like dry by any means. No. It's... In fact, it's very gossipy. Yeah, yeah. It's very uh, detailed in, in relationships between people. Mm-hmm. Um, and the book, it, it, the book is crazy to me because it's so intense. Like each yeah. page, I say each page has five good stories, each page. And it's like right. a 700 page book. Yeah. So it's like, you know, it's like, where does one even start to talk? Well, first of all, I guess maybe, maybe we should try to define what Wagnerism is according to Alex Ross. Do you know? Uh, <laughs> I think that's so broad. I don't know. Um, uh, the thing that I I felt was sort of the overall theme of the book was just how diverse and how vast his influence is, because yeah. it's um, everybody that he shows as being influenced by Wagner is from every spectrum. I mean, he gets into you know, he, it, the book is somewhat chronological, but he'll skip around and, and make really interesting connections. But, mm-hmm. you know, he sort of starts the book off with the contemporaries of Wagner and the influences that he had amongst his contemporaries in the 19th century. Yeah. And he talks a lot about the symbolists, Mallarmé and uh-huh. Berlain um, and Baudelaire. It's a yeah. really interesting section on Baudelaire. Might um, be a chapter, perhaps. Pardon me? Maybe my favorite section of the book. Was it? Yeah, yeah. It was a good, yeah, it was a good section. Uh-huh. Um, and then he also gets into, you know, the politics, um, which, of course, I think for a lot of people, that's the first thing people think about is Wagner and his anti-Semitism and yeah. his relationship to the Nazi government and Hitler. And, um, you know, so he gets into that a lot. But then he also gets into you know, how there were a lot of Jews who liked Wagner, and he gets into, he has a big section on W.E.B. Uh, du Bois and his relationship to Wagner, and, you know, that's... Black Americans love Wagner. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and the gay community, which was... Gay that was really, <laughs> really interesting, yeah. Yeah, so I was, I, I, I was really fascinated about the relationship with the gay community because he mm. talks about how in the 19th century that Wagner was sort of the the code for, you know, being gay. Like if you were into Wagner, you know, that was, uh, you know, right. that was, you know, before the Wizard of Oz and a uh, friend of Dorothy, it was friends of Brunhilde, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> <You know? laughs> so um, that was super interesting. And also the fact that um, one of his earliest patrons was King Ludwig of Bavaria, who yes. was gay. And one of Wagner's sons was gay. Yes. So, you know, I love stuff like that because obviously, you know, the Nazis kind of uh, had to downplay all that part of their love of Wagner. Right. You know, so I think for me, 
Wagnerism is very complicated. It's extremely complicated. Well, you know, it's it's interesting. Okay, this is interesting. It's you know, in a way, okay, in my lifetime, uh-huh. in my age, I have to say probably the biggest cultural influence was probably the Beatles. And I'm not talking if you like the Beatles, hate the Beatles. It's just the Beatles made such a impact on culture right. that, that that that's like the top thing in my life is the Beatles. Mm-hmm. It's not even an aesthetic choice with you like their music or any of that. It's just that the Beatles themselves sort of like change everything. Sure. It's not true, but the but but the but that's the the, the their presentation and that's how people's impression on the Beatles is that they were the focal point of culture. Uh-huh. Wagner in the 19th century is very similar to the Beatles, I think, in the fact the way he affected culture. Yeah. And you know, when you get to the Beatles, Beatles are these four guys with the haircut and you know they wrote songs and made records. Mm-hmm. Wagner's composer, you know, did opera. Mm-hmm. But yet his their works are you know just focusing on Wagner, his work has had an immense effect on 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 people of his time as rather as as well as other generations onward and onward and onward right almost in a crazy sense you know and, and like Wagner is so crazy because he's a, the total artist meaning that he um he had like theaters built for him you know courtesy of Ludwig uh he uh you know did the music of course he actually wrote the text to the opera uh his operas uh he's pretty much like you know one man genius type right and he affected you know and, and then having the ring series his opera series the ring is you know you go to this one place in germany to, you know at this perfect theater of sorts to yeah. experience the wagner experience uh to this day exists um is um quite remarkable and very interesting. I don't think there's any other composer in the 19th or 20th century uh, classical composer who had that sort of um, either that appeal or that sex appeal than, uh, than uh, Richard Wagner. Yeah, yeah, no, it's, it's really pretty incredible. Um, and it's doubly incredible given that, you know, he he had this very negative side to him, you know, I mean, mm-hmm. unlike the Beatles, he actually wrote, you know, a whole pamphlet that was all on anti, it was completely anti-Semitic. Um, the Beatles you know, never wrote that. They never wrote no, that. no, they I didn't actually. Very clear. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> you know, the fact that um, people can get past this uh, very ugly side of Wagner. Yeah. Um, and, and you know the fact that he was so associated with the Nazi regime and Hitler, yeah. um, so that's uh, it's pretty amazing. I, I love there was a line that I pulled that I thought was amazing, and he says uh, Wagner's afterlife assumes a tragic shape. An artist who had within his reach the kind of universality attained by Aeschylus and Shakespeare was effectively reduced to a cultural atrocity, the mm-hmm. Muzak of genocide. Right. And I was just like, wow, the Muzak of genocide. I mean, that's just insane. How do you overcome that? And yet Wagner has. He's still, he's still, you know, one of the most popular classical composers. The Bayreuth Festival is still going. It's still yeah. very popular. 
Um, it's popular among a large swath of communities that you would think would be completely offended by Wagner's political and social points of views. Yeah. And so, yeah, it's, it's quite a remarkable story um, about the power of art to a certain degree, you know, art sort of uh -huh. overcomes everything in a way. Yeah, and, 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 it, and it's interesting to note that Wagner is probably the first person who had a merch table. <laughs> yes, I know. I was not, not now. Was not, in his lifetime, he had a merch table. <laughs> I know. I was thinking some of that stuff must be quite valuable now. You know, it was quite you know cheap uh, tchotchke kind of stuff at the time. But <laughs> yeah, I think there's a photo of it in the book too. Is yeah, there a from photo the of the Wagner Museum or something. Yeah, yeah like from the 1870s, <laughs> his, his, his merchandise shop. Right, right. So, I mean, there was definitely, a, you know, you're right, you know, there's sort of this pop cultural element to Wagner. And um, uh, it's doubly interesting, too, because, you know, you and I were talking about this before. It's really fascinating that, you know, when Wagner was around, there were no recordings. The only way people heard the music was either attending a concert yes. or very sort of second rate, you know, buying the sheet music and having somebody play it in their salon, which is yeah. not, you know, that's far removed from really hearing the music properly so it's kind of amazing that somebody um had acquired such a uh, kind of pop culture phenomenon of having a merch tape you know opera was in a sense the rock and roll of the past isn't it i mean sort of the, I, I guess uh, so, yeah you know, you know people opera was very popular i mean it's still yeah. popular but i mean but in the 19th century and 18th century Right. It was, it was right. the it was the people's music of sorts. Yeah, yeah, that was um, pretty amazing. It's such a strange thing, and he, you know, because due to his 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 racism, and he's not like hiding his racism. His racism is very obvious. No, yeah, he's, he's proud of it. <laughs> proud of it, but yet people yeah. and his wife. <laughs> Yeah, who apparently it was even worse. worse. <laughs> yeah, but you know, it's kind of you know, it's amazing how the acceptance of Wagner, how people overlook that. Yeah, uh, it's such a, a great degree. I mean, now you know, we were in the, we're in the, in the midst of what I heard is called the cancel uh, culture, right? Where, where you where you know certain celebrities or artists because they were did something that doesn't seem to be proper or bad or whatever. You mm -hmm. sort of eliminate their work of sorts. Yeah. You don't. You don't separate the work from the uh, the from the uh, artist. Right. Um, so, Wagner never had that problem, apparently. Well, I, I mean, I think, I think some people. Yeah, yeah. I was going to say. I mean, I think some people have a hard time listening to it because they just can't dissociate him from that. But um, he does talk about that a lot. And I did pull an interesting quote. He says, "In the face of a sacred monster like Wagner, what power do spectators have?" Are we necessarily subject to the domination of his works, complicit in their ideology, or embracing them? Can we take possession of them and remake them in our own image? And I would say most fans do the latter. Yeah, you know? I, I do. I do too. I, I I'm able to separate them, and and I think we've actually discussed this in previous podcasts that, you know, we we have uh, writers that we like, like Celine, who was also known for his anti-Semitism, yes. but you know, we love his books despite that, um, yeah. you know, it's, it's tough. Um, you know, it's, uh, it's impossible for me to forget those things. I'm always aware of them. Um, 
And in certain ways for me, it almost makes me sort of more surprised that people can um, do this, create this art, this, this literature or this music mm. in Wagner's case that um, is so elevated, that seems to be so full of humanity and beauty and um, sort of rise above all this ugliness. Um, it's almost more shocking in a way when you know that the person themselves <laughs> is so far below these ideals, you know? Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. Going back to the relationship between him and uh, Nietzsche, the, uh-huh. the German philosopher, um, Nietzsche was a huge Wagner fan right. and a friend. But they, they had a falling out. And I think in a way, I think Bog, uh, Nietzsche sort of picked up on the negative aspect of Wagnerism. Right. Wagner's you know, fame, and it really rubbed them the wrong way after a while. Right. Um, which is kind of strange because everybody, I think the average person might think Nietzsche is a friend of Hitler. And that's not the uh-huh. case. Uh-huh. You know, the kind of, <laughs> somebody in Nietzsche's family, his wife or uh, daughter, I can't remember who it is, but, you know, she sort of presented Nietzsche as sort of like the philosophy of the Third Reich thing, which is not true at all. Right. And, well, I mean, I think they took some things from it. He has a, I actually pulled a really interesting quote about that too. He says, mm-hmm. he's talking about Wagner and Nietzsche. And he says, in the end, both men harbored impulses that look ominous from the vantage point of the post-Holocaust era. What Wagner disliked in Nietzsche, the pitilessness, the exaltation of power, and what Nietzsche disliked in Wagner, the Teutonic chauvinism, the anti-Semitism, mm-hmm. added up to an approximation of the fascist mentality. So, you know, there's, they took a little bit from this, they took a little bit from that, uh-huh. you know. Uh, they, they, instead of looking at the good sides of what each had to offer, they looked at the, the negative sides, you know. Yeah, and it's interesting, when Alex Ross uh, writes about um, Charles Baudelaire, the, uh, the French 19th century poet, uh-huh. who's known for his decadent life, views, everything. Yeah. Yeah. And, and Wagner um, is not that way. Wagner was, um, well, he wasn't decadent. He was, well, right. but, but like, but it's interesting how, how Baudelaire identified uh, the art with his art. Right. Um, and he thought there was a true relationship between the two, him as a poet yeah. and with Wagner's music. And right. I don't, they never actually met, but um, Baudelaire wrote a letter to uh, Wagner. It was basically this weird love letter that, you know, this weird, <laughs> um, this sort of sexualized love letter to Wagner. Uh-huh. Um, and Wagner accepted it, you know. <laughs> yeah. Sure, why not? Fan mail. Yeah, fan mail. <laughs> but, um, yeah, but it's really, yeah, it's interesting. And it's, 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 it's just like it's so many different types of movements accepted Wagner in such a, in a, such a profound and, and strong, weird way, you know, I'm thinking, and also the, the American writer, um, Willa uh, Cather. Cather, I think it is, yeah. How do you spell her name? I think it's Cather. Cather, Willa yeah. Cather, sorry. Yeah, yeah. And she herself, you know, she's just a sort of this, to me, I never read her. I read Paul's case. That's like a famous short story by her. But, you know, I would never think of her being total, like, Wagner obsessed. Crazed, or, yeah. And she wrote a book, I mean, she wrote a short story called Wagner Matinee yeah. uh, in 1906. Uh-huh. Are you are you are you 
Are no, you I'm not. I, I don't. I don't know Willa Cather's work at all. I mean, I know who she is, but I are don't you surprised know. that I knew the title and the year of the book? <laughs> I'm guessing you have like one or two notes. <laughs> I have one note. That's it. That's it. <laughs> Good for you, Tash. <laughs> I had to use it. <laughs> the devil's in the details. <laughs> And and, uh, and you know and this was you know that's what's interesting about Wagner is that he had a hustle consistently, right? For money, I mean, he didn't. Nothing came easy. He had a really, yeah. he got like really great connections, like unbelievably yeah. great connections. Like right. he, like the story about him and and the King Ludwig is hysterical. I mean, that's right. Like I know that was super interesting and in how he sort of he worked that relationship for sure. I think originally, if I got the story right in my memory of right, because there's one billion stories in this book, yeah. um, a, a associate of Ludwig or, or somebody who, or a secretary approached Wagner saying that um, Ludwig would want to meet him or talk to him. And Wagner immediately thought it was somebody he owed money to. Oh, <laughs> so he, first, he avoided, he avoided, he avoided. Right, like, right. Didn't know who he was or didn't know anything. Yes, Wagner was constantly getting into trouble, that's for sure. And he had to move around quite a bit for various reasons. But Ludwig was going to offer him everything. Yeah. I mean, he offered to pay for the opera, pay him, pay production, pay for the theater, right. everything. Right. But then he died young. Right. Yeah, he did die young. Out of power before he died. I can't recall now. I don't think so, but it's, it's, it, there's a suspicion yeah. that he may have been murdered, or it looked like it was a, it looked like it was a suicide situation, perhaps. But um, mm. I think I think history thinks that it was a, uh, perhaps he was murdered. Mm. Assassination. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, this book is so full of amazing stories, and I mean, he discusses so many incredible people and. And every kind of field that you could think of, I mean, he talks about influence in the dance world with uh, Diaghilev and the Ballet Russe, yeah. um, Isidore Duncan, you know, and, and a wide range of visual artists. Yeah. Um, it's just, it's really kind of amazing the influence that he had beyond what, you know, most of us are aware of. Um, he spends a lot of time talking about James Joyce and mm -hmm. Virginia Woolf yes. uh, pretty extensively. Um, and that's really interesting as well. I mean, it's the whole book is just so fascinating. Um, it, it's overwhelming because it talks about you know, yeah. like the visual art world talks everybody from the impressionist to uh -huh. to the Dadaists or the surrealists. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But these yeah. people have nothing in common really, except paint. Yeah. Or but yeah, but one thing they do have in common is their appreciation and love for Wagner. Yes, yes. Well, he does at some point. He kind of talks about how what attracted people to Wagner um, was that he was very cutting edge for his time. Um, so certainly the people, the contemporaries at his time felt that, you know, music was way ahead of every other art. Uh -huh. um, you know, he mentions like Van Gogh, who, you know, just said, oh, you know, this is so, so far advanced to the visual arts. Yeah. what we're doing, you know, and that they were aspiring to, you know, break ground in a similar way. Um, so he was yeah, cutting edge of his time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, he talks about the, the Tristan chord, which is, I guess, uh, uh, I don't know enough about music, you know, to, it, to our ears, it doesn't sound strange because we've listened to, you know, stuff that's far stranger at this point in, in musical history. But It must be the Wagner power chord. Yeah. <laughs> 
but you know it's just it's interesting how how it is just so encompassing of so many different areas um and he also gets into a lot of like how he, people in different countries responded to him i mean he talks not just about how he was seen in germany but in france and english and england and the u.s and okay. russia israel you uh -huh. know um and then of course he talks he has a big ch a chunk of the book about wagner and film once he starts getting into the 20th right. century which i think for us that's where a lot of us know wagner's music is from seeing it in film or hearing it in films like apocalypse now yes i think yeah. apocalypse now is probably the most famous and that was he talked about that a lot and he said some really fascinating things about that because um you know most of us have seen this film and we know that in the film it's it's the it's being used in a way that's very dramatic because they're playing the music and then they do a shot of the village that they're about to bomb yeah. and there's complete silence yeah. and so it's you know it's it's very startling and it's very upsetting and the music is being used in a way to disturb yeah but he talks about how the military has fetishized this scene in apocalypse now which i was not aware of uh -huh. that they actually use uh the ride of the valkyries now when they do similar things they said he said uh when they uh, invaded grenada uh -huh. they were using it and he said uh i can't remember if it was iraq or something more recently uh -huh. and uh you know he talks about how in the film jarhead how you know uh they show the soldiers watching apocalypse now and how they get so worked up and you know and frenzied by it um kind of sort of missing the entire point of that scene in the movie and um so it's really interesting. I mean, he, this book is just so, he really just digs deep into everything. It's kind of amazing. Yeah. It's like, you know, as I said, there's like five stories each page. Yeah, I know. I know. And they're, yeah. and they're fully, they're fully told stories. They're not just yeah. like phrases and stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. The incredible amount of research he did. Oh, I know. It's amazing. So the book is the actual reading part i think is like 660 pages and then there's like 100 pages of notes and index yeah i mean it's really well indexed and um the research that he did in this is amazing yeah and all the stuff that he must have read <laughs> to, uh, to do this and all the music i mean he's just so familiar with all the recordings and we should know people uh -huh. should know he has a website um, it's therestisnoise.com where he has a listening guide and some peripheral materials, images, and videos that's uh, really helpful. One of the frustrating things about this book, well, actually one uh -huh. frustrating thing, is that, you know, for the show, I want to actually go and hunt out, like, books and read them. Uh -huh. You know, I mean, I could still do it as my own pleasure, but... I, I kind of think, wouldn't it be kind of great if I could, we could do it on the show, you know, but time-wise, impossible. No, it's, yeah, it's incredible. And, it's just too time consuming. I mean, I yeah. think this book took him like 10 years to write, didn't it? Something like that. Yeah, at least. Yeah. At least. But yeah. It, um, again, you know, I think if people look at this book and they think Wagnerism, Wagner, I'm there, and like, well, I'm going to pass on it. Yeah. Um, they should don't. not, pass, yeah, don't pass yeah. on it because it's not, again, it's not about Wagner, it's about the culture of Wagner. Yeah. which is totally fascinating with an incredible amount of cast of people yeah. and if you're a Wagner fan it's of course it's it's a must that you have to read this yeah. but it's a totally book written for like a really big audience you know this is sort of like a um, 
this is really a big book, not only in size and pages, but also it's going to get a large audience. Yeah, I mean, I can't think of anybody who I wouldn't recommend it to.、Um, and it's a very enjoyable book. You know, it's good. It's it, it has a lot of great stories, and it's also interesting that you know it's it's like the rest is noise. I don't believe Alex Ross really. Did. Well, I didn't read the the、uh, thank yous, but he really didn't. I mean, talk to people, of course, but no, like, there's no interviews in the book. It's all you know from his readings and studying of you know text, media, you know that type of thing. It's not like.、Um, Uh, him, him finding you know Wagner's great grandson or something like that. It's more, yeah. You know, it's, it's him like a scholar looking at this work, this Wagnerism, and his skills in obtaining the information,、uh, which is obviously way better than Google. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> I don't think he Googled anything. I think he had him. Let's hope not. He found that book. You know, he found that text or that quote、yeah. from.、Uh, From whatever source, and it's、yeah. it, it really shows, you know, and it's overwhelming in one sense, just because it's such a huge subject matter.、Yeah. One person, one composer, could have such amazing effect on、uh, world culture. Yeah, such a diverse effect. I mean, that's the thing that blew me away. It was just, just like every side of the cultural spectrum, every side、mm-hmm. of the political spectrum. I mean, he points out that you know, Wagner's not just.、Uh, Admired by right-wing people, it's just as well appreciated by left-wing people. Yes, and,、um, you know, in every 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 art he gets into, and and every sort of minority group that you would think would not, you know, that would be repelled by Wagner's politics, and, and it's just it's really astounding. It's it's a astounding. it's a multicultural book. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's for everyone. There's something for everybody in this book. Because <laughs> like, like every type of grouping had some type of uh, uh, either issues or acceptance of Wagner, and, so,、yeah. and it's quite amazing. I can't, you know, I mean, there's been there, there's obviously a lot of popular composers,、yeah. but obviously Wagner is something like he, he's, you know, he's something special. He's, yeah, well, I mean, he does sort of mention that briefly in the beginning when he's kind of saying this is not about Wagner's influence on other musicians, because he says, you know, there are other composers. Who had equal or even more, you know, influence like Bach or、mm-hmm. or Beethoven?、Uh, he says this is about you know Wagner's influence on everything else. Yeah, and I mean I don't think there are a lot of other、uh, composers that you could say have this kind of influence. No, amazing. Yeah, I love when he uh, uh, the uh, section about film and he's、uh, talking about the famous Bugs Bunny film <laughs> with Ryan. <laughs> Valkyries. He says,、uh, "If the ride of the Valkyries makes people think of both Bugs Bunny and helicopters, it signifies everything and nothing." Yes, and I think that's kind of amazing. You know, it's、yeah. like, in other words, you can get whatever you want out of Wagner. You almost like, you know, it's it's almost a reflection of yourself in a way. That it, you know, his work has just become. It's, there's so much depth to Wagner's work that whatever people go in wanting from it, that's what they can sort of grab from it. And yet he has hooks. Yes, yes, for sure. It's <laughs> catching melodies. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I'm pretty sure almost everybody on the planet knows "Ride of the Valkyries." It's one of the few classical、yeah. pieces that I'm pretty sure almost everybody knows. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So we both tried to watch an opera. On, yes.、Uh, and we both failed. No, I watched one all the way through. Oh, yeah, I, did, that was、yeah. it. I, did. I watched Tristan and Isolde. Yeah.、Uh, Found a copy on YouTube that I watched, and、um, I don't know if p- perhaps it was the production. I wasn't crazy about. You know, I, I like bits and pieces of Wagner, and、uh-huh. you know, I think 
Okay. I, I like the, uh, he, he talked about the famous quote that's normally uh, incorrectly attributed to, to Mark Twain. He said, Wagner's music is better than it sounds. <laughs> but he says it's actually, it was really made by um, a humorist named Bill Nye that everybody, Mark Twain sat in, so everybody attributes it to him. But it's such a great quote. Wagner's music is better than it sounds. And, and, that's, <laughs> and that quote is in the book. Yes. So yes. the fact that it's like Mark Twain quote, but it's actually quoted to some, by somebody else, <laughs> it shows you the research he did on this book. You know? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, he, uh, he that's definitely. That's one example. Uh, yeah. It's the last thing you want is social media saying, no, 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 that's Bill Nye. <laughs> you know how those Twitter, the Twitter yeah. otter, Twitter otter are. Yeah. <laughs> it's a dangerous world out there. Yeah. Well, we put together a playlist and I want to, you know, the obvious thing was just to just, you know, do the great Wagner orchestrations, you know, yeah. or, you know, but I, I sort of avoided it. I, yeah. on the playlist, I focus on unusual interpretation of Wagner. I, I try to find stuff either like piano interpretation, like, you know, there's a solo piano, including Vin Gould, who was a, was a Wagner fan. Mm-hmm. Uh, but one person I really love is this guy named uh, Uri Kane. And Uri Kane is technically um, in the jazz section if you go to the music store. Mm-hmm. But he has an ensemble and he did an album called Wagner and Venice because Wagner died in Venice, right? He lived right. in Venice. It's basically, the music is, it, the ensemble is like sort of like a cabaret or, or, or a small scale band doing Wagner music, including like accordion. So it's like, it's cafe music. Yeah. But doing, doing Wagner melodies. Nice. And I'm one of those people who, uh, my Wagner aesthetic, I I like the overtures, the Wagner's overtures, but sometimes right. I find it like overbearing after a while, you know, like, I get it. I got the first five minutes. I don't think I need the whole twenty-minute piece. Uh, that's my taste. Once you heard the riff, you're you're ready. I got the riff. Yeah, but, <laughs> but like hearing like either like um, Glenn Gould doing a take on Wagner or uh, Yuri Kane ensemble, uh-huh. I was like it's probably like re-listening or reimagining a Wagner melody because uh-huh. the Wagner melody is so great. I like I actually like it when it's sort of messed about. I, I like I like to rearrange Wagner music, which is hardly exists of what we found on, on the playlist here. We have one hour and three minutes of Wagner, not like the five, eight hours that you get somewhere else. <laughs> very, very, very focused. Everybody should go listen to the playlist. Uh, mm-hmm. Our playlists are on uh, both Spotify and Apple Music. And um, you can find links to all of our playlists for every episode on our website at bookmusic.com, B-O-O-K-M-U-S-I-K.com. And um, join us next time. We're going to be doing something completely different, although this subject came up in today's podcast unexpectedly. And uh, we're going to be reading a book called And In the End, The Last Days of the Beatles by Ken McNabb. So we'll see if he's got anything new to add to the Beatles story. That's a, that's a tough one, but I'm looking forward this to This is it. amazing. This is our first Beatle book. I know. We've been, we've been doing this for a year, and we have not done any book on the Beatles. I know. Well, you know, I think I'm always a little hesitant to read new Beatles books because I always feel like, what more can somebody say? Yes. But I'm willing to uh, give this a chance. Um, yes. You know. I, I'm never bored reading about the Beatles, that's for sure. I just, nah, I'm always a little uh, hesitant to think if anybody has anything new to add. But there's always something new under the sun. So they say. 
So they say. That's the so. rumor. That's the rumor around. Town. <laughs> if the apocalypse doesn't get us in the near future. Yes, it will. And yes. It will. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So definitely follow us on Facebook and Instagram and Twitter, and uh, we will see you next time. Thank you for listening. Take care, everybody. Bye bye. Bye.